All right, welcome to the All Gators podcast. I know you're probably used to hearing Gator Maven podcast, but we made a little bit of a switcheroo here. We've changed up the brand name just a little bit from Gator Maven to All Gators, but fear not, it is still the same rocking Florida Gators content that you can find powered by Sports Illustrated. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. And we are recapping 2020 National Signing Day and how it affected the Florida Gators on this podcast tonight. Therefore, I am joined by lead All Gators scout for recruiting, Brian Smith. You can find him on Twitter at FBScout underscore Florida. Brian, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you, Zach. Glad to be here. Yeah, we definitely had an eventful day uh, with, you know, even though it's National Signing Day, it's not as hyped up as early signing day compared to what it used to be. We still had a bit of an eventful day here at Florida. I know across the country there were a lot of schools that had some action going on. Uh, Florida had some stuff go their way, some stuff not go their way. Some, you know, it was, as Brian always says, it's, it's recruiting. That's all there is to it. Um, Florida got three prospects to put their pen to paper today in two wide receivers, Penn State transfer Justin Shorter and Columbus High School <laughs> wide receiver, the brother of C.J. Henderson, former Florida Gators cornerback, Xavier Henderson. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they signed a defensive end <laughs> from Manor, Texas. And, you know, please excuse us if we get this wrong. We're still learning it. But Princely Uman Malin, uh, defensive end from Manor, Texas. He's a strong side guy. He's going to come in and fill that position. Uh, that's been vacated uh, by Jabari Zuniga. Zach Carter will end up filling that role for uh, perhaps one final year here in Florida as he's going to be a rising redshirt junior uh, this upcoming year. And then at that point, the position will likely fall to Uman Malin. Uh, he's a talented player. We're going to talk about his film a little bit, but first we're going to recap the day. So, Ryan, we'll start off with uh, the two offensive signings that they put pen to paper with. They got these commitments previously in Xavier Henderson at the U.S. All-American Bowl game uh, and was shorter recently visiting Florida uh, <laughs> after announcing that he was going to transfer Penn, from Penn State. So what do you think of these two? And I know we've talked about it before, but now that it's official, how impactful are these two signings right off the bat? Well, they both complement each other very well because one of them is the big, powerful player in shorter. He's over 220, probably 235, somewhere in that range. And then, of course, you got Henderson, who can absolutely fly. He needs to add a little weight, but he's the kind of guy you can put in the game from his first time on a college campus. He's, you know, he's going to run by guys. They're going to be able to use him immediately. When you have those kind of players, it helps your run game in a multitude of ways. I think both will play very, very early. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Now, it'll depend with Shorter on whether or not he gets a waiver, uh, which is yet to be seen. There's obviously a lot of stuff coming out of Penn State that could end up leading to some serious scandal. Um, perhaps that could affect his waiver process. We don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. Whereas Henderson, he's a guy that I think you do really want to get onto the field early and often. Even though Florida is going to have some solid starters this upcoming year and Trayvon Grimes and Jacob Copeland. Well, you know what? I, I don't really look at it as who starts. As you and I have discussed off air, Billy Gonzalez has his own methods as the receivers coach for the Gators. They do what they have to do to block. They do what they have to do to get the ball, to run, to jet sweeps. If these guys come in and make the right moves and, and impress in the weight room, they're going to play. Uh, I'm not I'm not disappointed with 
anything they've done up to date since they've been in Gainesville, and I, I don't see any reason to change that. Yeah, I totally feel where you're coming from, and uh, that's totally something that Billy Gonzalez would do. Um, you know, he he's a guy that does depend on a rotation similar to Dan Mullen. They will use these guys in and out in different scenarios and different matchups, and Henderson is going to be a guy that presents a lot of unique ones with, you know, being 6'4 and having a legit uh, catch radius while also providing some se- very serious speed at the same time. Oh, absolutely. The speed thing, once again, there's nothing that scares a defensive coordinator more than a guy that can take the top off the of defense. He's at least six three and a half, six four, and he could absolutely run like a guy that you see all the time in Florida that's five nine, five ten. But adding that extra height, it, it's just a nightmare. So he's gonna be able to help the run game just by being on the field. Safety's back up, linebackers back up, etc. That's huge for the Gators because they need all the help they can get in the vaunted SEC. Now we'll move on to what was the next event. Those two things happened in the morning. In the early afternoon, uh, I was there at DeLand High School for safety Avante Williams' signing ceremony, widely regarded as the number two safety in the nation. Uh, Previously committed to Miami, uh, ditched that commitment in 2018 to go to Oregon. Left that, visited Florida uh, just last month. Things were really pointing in Florida's direction. Miami resurfaced, and it came down to being between Florida and Miami. And up until the moment he signed, most people thought he was going to Florida. And he didn't. He hovered his hand over the Gators hat, and he ended up going to Miami. That stings. This is something that we've talked about with Florida a good bit. They've put together a talented class, but they're having issues with closing, and they need to be able to hit on the in-state blue-chip talents. They didn't do that here, and how impactful... Is this miss, Brian, for this class? You can't get many guys that cover like him. He's one of the first kids that I watched early on this year, and I'm like, he's not the biggest guy, but the ball always finds him. He just has the ability to make big plays, and once he catches it, he's the kind of guy that can score. He can play receiver, running back, DB, whatever he wanted. It doesn't matter, but he's going to be a free safety, and I expect him to play right away at Miami. He's a natural football player, so yes, this one stings. He's he's very good, absolutely. That's something he told me today at his signing day ceremony that they are gonna that Miami is going to expect him to be on the field uh, from day one. Uh, Florida is in a position where they probably should put him on the field day one if he ended up in orange and blue. Whether or not they would have, with several safeties returning uh, next year that rotated as starters, I just don't know. I mean. Rod English is the same way as Billy Gonzalez, where he has his ways, he does what he does. Um, But those, again, like these are the types of guys that you need to be able to land at this point. As good as the class is, and I do think that this class is good enough to let Florida compete to make the playoffs. Will they win in the playoffs? Will they win the national championship? I'm not sure. We still have to see how this staff develops their own talent. This is going to be the year where we really start to see how good at doing that they are. Um, but you've still got to be able to pair elite coaching with elite talent. That's the recipe for success in college football. So how much does it hurt to fall short in situations like this? Well, if you lose a key guy, that means one of two things has to happen or both. A, you've got to coach a couple of the kids up that have a lot of upside and make it happen. Or B, you've got to take talented players from a different position and move them. Uh, free safety is a very important position to today's college football because they're part of what you would call the quarterback of the defense. 
this is the kind of guy that takes away players. In addition to that, you can teach a guy to call the defense, etc., and that comes with time. You cannot teach his range, his speed, and his instinct. Where are you going to get another guy like that on the roster? It's not likely. He's a very rare talent. So unless they can coach up a guy that they didn't expect to be as good as a Williams, and I'm not saying that they can because Florida certainly has plenty of talent, but unless you can do that, this this is one that's going to hurt a little bit. And I really like the DBs that they brought in, and I don't want this to you know dampen that because it was a stellar defensive back class when it's all said and done. You got a guy that's going to just you know demand respect out at the field corner in Ethan Pouncey. You pair that with a guy who can play the boundary like Avery Helm and like Jahari Rogers. So that's you know your two outside cornerback positions filled by three guys in a class, and all are pretty great talents. You've got guys that fit at star like Fenley Graham and like Trevez Johnson. You've got safeties in the back uh, in Mordecai McDaniel and Rashad Torrance, and that's great. Um, but you would love to have that guy that just is that elite talent that stands out. And Pouncey is probably the closest thing to it at this point of the group, but Williams would have been a whole other animal. Oh, I love Pouncey. I think he's got a chance to be an NFL player. But again, Williams having the balance between a corner and a safety in the same class would have been just fantastic. I agree. I, I like McDaniel a lot too, but – I think he might be more of an in-the-box guy in a lot of situations where Williams, I believe, is a guy that's a pure free safety. Yeah, I think McDaniel's the ideal fit when you're splitting safeties or if you're going cover three, you're putting him in the box. Torrance, uh, I admittedly still have to do some work on before I can give a definitive answer. I do think he's got some decent range. Uh, He's a guy that could be able to go play the ball from what I've been able to see, but I'm going to have to do a little bit more work on. Um, So then we'll keep it on the defensive side of the ball and we'll round out with how Florida finished. Princely Uman Malin. I've probably changed how I pronounced it since the start of the show, quite frankly, and it's just it's difficult. I know Brian's not even going to try pronouncing it, but what I can tell you about is that he's a good player. He's a guy that Florida's been in on for a while. He chose Florida over Baylor and Texas growing up just, you know, I think 20, 30 minutes away from the University of Texas. Correct. So Florida went into the universe, uh, no, into the state of Texas and pulled away a legitimate talent to play the strong side defensive end position. He'll fill in eventually after Zach Carter, his time is done here. Uh, he's a guy at 6'4", 260. He's actually got a pretty similar frame to Zach Carter. And I think he plays a lot like Zach Carter. Uh, he's got some really strong hands. He's still got to learn how to use them. He's got a really wicked first step, and he's explosive. He's a bit of a snap jumper. It's going to limit him early on. He's going to have to learn to really start to time getting off the ball and exploding off the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, there you know there could be the occasional offsides, neutral zone infraction. But I think he's a really talented player. He can put together a rush plan. He's a real. He's good at sniffing out the run. He's good at keying uh, pull blocks to make a stop in the backfield uh, coming his way. He's got good vision all around. I think he's a well-rounded player. Uh, he's got a decent ceiling just given his burst. Uh, but I want to see him you know really start to master the techniques of the game. I agree with everything you said. Uh, the one thing that stood out to me, though, for his size, his first step or his get-off, whatever phrase you want to use, is absolutely elite. Uh, he rushes the passer much more like a weak side defensive end from the first step. But also, like you said, he's a powerful guy. He's not going to just speed rush. He can get into an offensive tackle or an offensive guard and make some movement. Really strong for his age. He's going to be a nice complimentary player to anybody else they put up front. And as we've talked about before, the D tackle class is absolutely fantastic. So they're, they're going to be in pretty good shape there. This, this is a premier athlete. 
So I asked you last time about how you split up this line group. Uh, what kind? How does adding Uman Malin you know, change that up? He's a pure strong side defensive end at this point. You'd figure they'll probably get another guy some extra reps out there, but otherwise you got to split the stuff up between the interior. Well, it's kind of interesting. There's always a package for everything in college football today, and it really depends on the team you're playing, not just what offense they've run, but do they have a special player, receiver, running back, etc. This is the kind of guy on third down and six, you might move him to three technique inside. Like I, I mentioned last time we talked with Johnny Brown, they might put him and Brown inside and rush the pass over that way. And then some smaller guys like Derek Wingo could play edge because on third and six, it doesn't matter as much. But at the same time, if you just want to rotate guys and whoever's got the hot hand rushing the passer, if it's him, that's great. If it's a guy like Johnny Brown, that's great. But you got to have options because this is football. It's a brutal sport. It's barbaric. Guys get banged up. You're not going to win games against LSU and the like without multiple multiple players in this mindset that they're going to get after the quarterback and also have the skill set to do it. Well, I think that's going to be a huge part of what determines success for, for Florida is just how this group of pass rushers comes out once they're developed because you're talking possibly being too deep across every position uh, on your defensive line. like That's just a recipe to continue leading the SEC in sacks at this point. There's no doubt about it. It's the most impressive thing to me about the class is the length and the size of the defensive line. They did a tremendous job getting guys that could fit all the way across the line and get after the quarterback. And Antoine Powell, we didn't talk about him. Very good athlete. He's an edge rusher as well. A little bit smaller than this young man we're getting out of Texas. But, again, they complement one another, and that's the reason that it works out. They're going to have different types of pieces. You can't just key on one or two guys. It's all the way across four men. So we'll finish up by discussing what Florida has left in this class. I'm going to have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure there's just these two spots left at this point. And currently they're held by commits Leonard Manuel and Mark Britt, uh, an athlete who could play receiver or safety. Now, I have a feeling that at least one of them is going to end up not making it in this class. And if you were to ask me this morning before Tay Williams signed and made his decision for Miami, I thought that there was a good chance neither of them would at this point. That still could happen. Uh, we'll have to see what Britt chooses. They're both stuck between Florida and Ole Miss. Um, Britt is a safety in the staff's eyes. Therefore, the Tay decision could have been a big part of why he was looking into other schools, and perhaps he could end up staying true to his Florida commitment. We'll know that on February 20th, whereas Manuel will sign on April 1st. He's looked at Ole Miss. He's looked at Baylor. He's looked at a lot of other schools. He's dropped in rankings. There's definitely some room for concern there. So, Brian, with these two guys, how do you envision what the next, you know, week and a half or so I get, or two weeks for Britt and month and a half for Manuel looking like? Manuel is your guess as good as mine. Um, that is a very weird situation. I know he hasn't had the greatest background to come from. There could be something going on there academically or something else. I hate to even guess, but he's incredibly incredibly talented um i hope he can it can work out for him whether it's florida or somewhere else um as for Britt, i like him on both sides of the ball i prefer him at receiver but if you want to play him at safety i get it he's got burner speed there's a lot of different ways you can look at him he could probably play corner if you really wanted him to and he's very long 
I think that if they don't, you know, obviously they didn't get Tay Williams. There's no reason not to take Britt. If you're going to play him in the secondary, again, he's got the physical tools to play corner. Why not take him? Um, beyond that, again, it's just, you know, do whatever you got to do. Make sure he's qualified. Make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed. But otherwise, you, you got to take that kid. We'll end up seeing what they're going to do uh, over the next couple of weeks and for manual month and a half. Uh, but otherwise, that's it on this Florida signing class uh, 2020. We've definitely seen a lot of improvement from years past. Still think that there's room to grow. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how it all pans out over the next couple of years for Dan Mullen and company. Thank you guys for tuning in to the All Gators podcast powered by Sports Illustrated, and we will catch up with you next